Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode right here on the Cathedral Sport Podcast. And we've got a treat for you tonight, ladies and gents. But first, I'd like to I'd like to bring back up the point in our last show as to why my co-host Bob was absent. You know, I was uh, I was a bit wrong saying he was away planning world domination, but hey, he was capable of anything. And guess what? He's actually gone and formed his own podcast, folks. I know. I know, but it's for Edinburgh City, it's for the sports. So I told you it was up to something. However, however, he is here tonight and has rejoined me to talk about his own journey following ice hockey. Something a little bit different for you guys tonight. Bob, welcome back, mate. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad, Ash. Uh, thank you for the plug. That will be the Edinburgh City SC podcast. Uh, you'll find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and others. Uh, glad to be back and glad to be talking about my favourite sport, which I've brought up a number of times, uh, usually during the football show. Uh, but yeah, good to good to finally get some some chat about it. Yeah, um, I, I I keep forgetting that ice hockey is your favourite sport, and I keep <laughs> I, I keep honestly I've got it in my head that you're you're a football man over anything else. But guys, you're gonna find out something completely different tonight than Bob's just told you. So, Bob, I want to start with an easy one, mate. Okay. How did you How did you get into ice hockey? How, when did you first start watching it? What, what attracted you to the sport? Um, if I can be all wistful and go back to my younger days, uh, what used to happen is that ice hockey used to be, although we'll refer to it as hockey throughout this, the, the pod, as I don't like calling it ice hockey. Hockey is its name. Um, in, in the oldie times, when things like World of Sport and Grandstand were on the television, um, for the youngsters that listen, look them up on the internet. Uh, so we only had like four TV channels. There used to be a, a hockey game on, on Saturday afternoons, if I remember right. My memory's a bit hazy. I was quite young. And I used to go over to my grandparents at the weekend we go out a wee day, kind of morning into Portobello, look around the shops and all this kind of stuff. Then we come back and there was usually a hockey game on the telly. So I would point myself in front of that and just be kind of mesmerised at all these guys skating around. You know, there was lots of goals. There was things happening. And it just kind of mesmerised me from a, from a pretty young age. And then as you kind of you move forward... For those that remember a programme called Trans World Sport, that used to be on Channel 4 on a Saturday morning, if I remember right. And there was always clips from the NHL because pre-internet days, you didn't really get a lot of coverage of the NHL at all. And the only kind of coverage we ever got was small clips on Trans World Sport. And then seeing all these big big names uh, on that just kind of solidified why, why I was really kind of enjoyed watching it and used to enjoy that clip coming on. So it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Um, but for those listening, I'm I'm not an ice hockey fan, but I wanted to get Bob on. There's plenty out there there are, and there'll be plenty of listeners for this, I'm sure. But there was there was some times that I was actually on the edge of my seat watching it. I mean, I think it was I think it was the Olymp- uh, the Winter Olympics. It must I think it was. Um, and I was sat there again with my grandparents as well. Funny enough, uh, and it was in the mid '90s, and it was a uh, 
uh, a penalty, what, what we'd call a penalty shootout in football. I don't know what the the term is in ice hockey, but um, it, it went all the way down to the wire. I don't know if it was the Olympic final or, or, or semi-final or something like that. And it was just like the butterflies in my stomach watching that game. Um, it was just back and forth, back and forth constantly. And it, it went to this penalty, and this, this penalty shootout, I'm going to call it that, Bob, Bob's going to put me right in a sec, um, went on for absolutely ever. And it was just, I just thought, no one's going to win this at all, are they? But someone doubted, you know, from the top of my head, I, I think it was Sweden. I think it was Sweden that won it. But, um, yeah, so that's my sort of introduction to it, so to speak. But I've never really followed it since then. Did you, so after watching that on Transworld Sport and stuff, did you, do your own research into local teams or, or teams you can go and watch or did that come much later in life or did you know were you told by your family that there's a local team here and stuff like that because obviously it wouldn't have got the coverage back then that the the Canada's the Sweden's the Russia's got on the Winter Olympics and stuff and the, especially like the NHL teams and stuff like that um, To come back to your, your initial point it is a penalty shootout don't worry about that Ah oh, get uh, in there <laughs> uh, I just referred to it as a shootout, really. Um, and I th- you're right, Sweden was the team that you were thinking of as well. Um, in terms of in terms of local teams, the, the Edinburgh Evening News used to have some really really good coverage um, of the then Murrayfield Racers. Uh, we're talking full page spreads every week, big massive photos, um, you know, interviews with players and all that kind of thing. So when I'm going through the old, the, the paper at the time, um, you would always see a big bit about them. You know, that team was, a, over the years, was a massively successful team in the UK. You know, they won absolutely everything, and the one thing was on a regular basis. And yep. it was hugely, it was, it, it, was, it was popular. You know, there was people at school that I knew, and they went to games, and that wasn't the reason I went, but when I said I started to go, when I eventually started to go, um, they were like, oh, yeah, I used to go or I did this and all this kind of thing. So it wasn't like it was like a totally unknown sport or anything. You know, it was it was a when I, when I first started watching it, it was a big sport. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, I, it, I I read, OK, that it is the most watched indoor sport in Britain. Right. OK, now. I would have never, I've only just found that out, by the way. Now, I always, when I think of indoor sports, someone says indoor sports to me, and they said, the first one you can think of, Ash, I'll go basketball. And they say, right, another one that's played regularly in Britain, I'll, I'll, I'll go, oh, I'll go, you know, indoor tennis or whatever, or um, swimming, or do, do you know what I mean? I, ice hockey is not high up on my, but it should be because it's the most watched indoor sport in this country. Now, it, it's probably because of the association with the weather. Right, I associate ice hockey with countries that are absolutely bitter cold. Right, we're we're quite we've got a mild-ish winter here, um, apart from maybe the Highlands and right up in the Cairngorms and places like that. But other than that, I mean, the UK gets off of gets away with winter quite well. I, I I've always associated it with, <laughs> with ice hockey nations with the with uh with the weather. But you're gonna you, you're gonna tell us differently, aren't you, Bob? You're gonna tell us how big ice hockey actually is in Britain and how big it 
it could go with the the right TV deal and the right and the right publicity. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's something that's a bugbear of all UK hockey fans, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. It is the most watched indoor sport in the UK. I think in terms of actual people coming through the doors, it's top ten, top five, somewhere around there. Um, but it gets nowhere near the amount of coverage it should or deserves. Uh, that's editorial decisions. As we know ourselves, speaking on the football show, because everything is so football dominated, mm-hmm. um, it tends to take over back pages. It tends to take over internet for clicks, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I suppose sometimes UK hockey is, is kind of something shoots itself in the foot. I mean, over the years, there's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of kind of. I'm not going to go too depth into it, but you know, a bit of infighting in the background. You know. Teams going bust, which on the whole isn't a particularly good look. Um, but we've managed to have the Elite League now, and that's been the most stable league in the UK for years. Most of the teams appear stable. Um, there's a lot of them teams playing big arenas, you know, so Belfast Giants at the, at the Odyssey playing a really big one. Sheffield even there for the Sheffield Steelers, uh, National League Centre at Nottingham, mm-hmm. and so on. I mean, these are these are pretty big arenas. You know, these hold music concerts on a regular basis as well. So you're talking, you know, anywhere upwards from about 15,000 minimum of a capacity. And most of the time, these are full when the hockey's on. You know, at least three quarters to a quarter, at least three quarters to full for a lot of these games, and that is on a regular basis throughout however many weeks of a season it is, from September usually to March, plus playoffs. So it's a massive, massive sport in the UK. It's got a massive following uh, on social media. You know, I've got a lot of people that are following so on. A lot of people watch NHL over here. Uh, they might not watch UK hockey, but they'll certainly watch NHL, even though it's on at stupid o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big market for the... Well, Europe as a whole is a big market for the NHL. But Britain's a, probably an up-and-coming one. You know, national team have done really well in recent years. Now in the top division after a long period out, managed to stay there as well. But that got next to no coverage, which got to a lot of uh, national team fans, probably rightly. So it, it is a big, it is a big sport. It just doesn't necessarily project itself at times as a big sport and doesn't get a hand from the media to project itself as a big sport. See, I I, look, I didn't know any of that about the national team. I didn't know any of that. And I'm, I would class myself as a, well, I wouldn't have a cathedral sport podcast if I wasn't a big sports fan, guys. Let's have it right. I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a clue about that. And I, I, I reckon 90% of our listeners, well, the, the ice hockey fans that are listening, are probably, but, the, but the, the listeners that will be listening to this and, you know, that are intrigued, that are not really into ice hockey, and really, don't really know. Um, they wouldn't have a clue about that. And that, that, that's a big thing. I mean, if you look at basketball as well, touching back on what you said about uh, the way it's all marketed here and people like people stay up till silly o'clock and watching the NBA. I've been a culprit for that myself, but won't go to their local BBL club. Um, Obviously, people do go to their local hockey team in larger numbers here, but it's still not, is it, Bob? It's still not got the popularity that the NHL has got. Um. 
No, but then in, in, in that respect, the NHL seems, uh, if you pardon the phrase, the bastard child of the big four sports in America anyway, or North America. Um, not so much Canada, but certainly in America. Um, and it probably has a little bit of that kind of state of here as well. Um, you know, the, the lack of a really, really good TV deal doesn't help matters, I don't think. Um, yeah. They managed to get themselves up free sports, which helps, I think, because it's free. You know, I also don't think, I think sometimes the cost can put people off, especially because what happens, again, going back to the football comparison, everybody tends to compare how much it is to a football match. So there's sometimes a pain, what would be it now, maybe 18, 20 pounds to go to a hockey match. It's not far off what you're paying for top level football in Scotland anyway. Um, and I don't know what would be that, League One, League Two in England. Yeah, yes, as well. It's 20, 23 quid at South End, I think, last season. Yeah, so so for a lot of people to try and have two sports, it's quite expensive, especially if you've got kids as well and a family, plus the time you pay on, you know, snacks and travel and all this type of thing. Um, but I understand, you've got to pay sometimes because it's a, in theory, you've seen a higher quality player than you ever were used to. Um but that, that's that's just, I think it's maybe just part of the course. I personally think all sport in Britain is um, overpriced. Uh, that's 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 just my opinion. I think hockey is overpriced. I think speedway is overpriced. I think football is massively overpriced. I think rugby is overpriced. It, that, that's just me. Um, maybe for a lot of other people as well. I don't know. Some may think it's fair. That's fine. I think if you're trying to attract people that isn't that are either disaffected football fans or are looking for another sport to try and get into other than football or rugby or something like that. Hockey is a good, it's a, it's a great day out. You know, I've taken loads of friends in the past and I've all really enjoyed their time, even at Murrayfield, it's kind of fallen apart. They loved the action, they loved what happened, they loved what went on. And they kind of see the price going to do that every week and they're like, oh, I just a bit much. Yeah, um, I completely agree with your point about sport in the UK being overpriced. I, I didn't know the hockey price, uh, the ticket prices until you just told me. Bob, what what was your first game? When was your first game? How was your first game? And what, you know, obviously you watched it on the telly and you loved it and stuff like that, but nothing beats being there. No matter what sport you're into, nothing beats being there, right? So what was it about the uh, the arena you went to it first. What was it about the players? What was the experience like? Just take us back to that first hockey game that you went to, and tell our listeners about it, and put a, you know, give them a, a a mind visual, so to speak, and build up a something to, uh, something do, to think about. Yeah, God, I'll do my best. Um, my first game, if I remember right, I was fourteen. So what's that? Twenty six years ago now, Christ. Bloody hell. Um, <laughs> And it was the uh, Murrayfield Racers against the Basingstoke Beavers, as they were then known. And it was a 7-5 win to the Racers. Um, you know, the first, uh, that was at Murrayfield. Now, Murrayfield, for anybody that listens, anyone that's ever been to Murrayfield, I think will know it's not exactly the most celebrated of places. <laughs> um because a lot of some of the buildings listed, the seats are listed, and all this kind of thing. So it was built around the wartime. Um, it kind of still looks like that a little bit. 
But the first thing you ever know when you go into a rink is the smell. And you walk in and you get this big kind of smell of like dry ice or ice, whatever it is. And it is the most hypnotic smell you can ever imagine walking into anywhere. You know how it used to be, you know how you, when we used to walk in the old Meadow Bank and you had that rubber smell from the track? Yes, and yeah. Was, yeah, and you know how it just was like, oh, this is amazing. Well, it's, yeah. the same, well, it's not the same smell, but it's the same idea what conjures up in your mind when you walk in. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing I miss about not going to games now, is that first smell, when you first walk in, that kind of rink smell of the ice as you walk in. It's amazing. It really is. Um, so then you go in, went in, took your seats, watched the warm-ups, because um, I'm a sad boy, I used to like watching warm-ups. Um, and it, do you know what? The thing that just gets taken is, is, is how fast-paced the game is. You know, you've got these guys going on skates on barely, what, an eighth of an inch stick or something like that. And they're going around games at top speeds, 20, 30 miles an hour, crashing into each other, taking shots, taking passes, and it is just hypnotic. You know, until sometimes when you're describing it, fans are just like, it's just getting a bit kind of carried away with yourself there until people actually go and experience it themselves. Yes, it can be difficult following the puck. It's tiny, especially when you're in the stand. Um, and you kind of have to get used to following the puck. And it takes a while, but once you get there, you get there. But it's honestly one of the most hypnotic sports you'll ever see. It's amazing to watch when you're there. And that's what kind of hooks you in. And generally, once you get into one game and then you go into two games, I tend to find most people really just then hooked and they want to go back. And that's exactly how I was when I was 14. Yeah, it's a, it's, um, it's a really good description, mate. Um, so thanks for that. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate uh, building that visual in their heads because you, you, you had that in mind when you were speaking there. Um, I'd, I'd me imagining uh, you walking through the doors and just taking a big sniff <laughs> of the air. Um, I, I've I've tried to follow it on TV, and even when I watch it on TV, I've, when nothing has been, I'll put free sports on, and uh, it'll be on at night. I'll catch the back end of a game or something. I I can't follow the puck, right? But as you just said, there's a there, there is a knack to it. Um, you've got to go to the games, and and once you get that knack, then I just haven't got that knack, and I just Obviously, if I want to watch it more often, I just have to get it. So, so you started following the Murrayfield races. Now, mm-hmm. I want to I want to go into this this a little bit because it was the Murrayfield races. So I don't know the backstory, and, and there'll be people that don't know the backstory to this. So a lot of ice hockey fans will, especially from from Edinburgh and ones listening in from Scotland. Um. What's what's the story there? So it's Murrayfield Races, and then it's there's the Edinburgh Capitals. Because when I first moved to Scotland, it was the Edinburgh Capitals. Murrayfield Races. I don't know if they still existed in a, in a really lower league, or I just never heard of them. I never heard of them until they it came back, like they sort of came back as the Murrayfield Races, and the Edinburgh Caps sort of folded. Um, what what is the story behind that? Why why does it change from the races to the Caps, then back to the races? Um, initially it was the, the Murrayfield Racers then the Edinburgh Racers, that was my second season and then the company that owned them collapsed and essentially the team folded so in between those times so they were in the top league in Britain at the time the Premier Division uh, and in between those times the rink carried on making sure there was some kind of hockey going 
and that was the Burnfield Royals going back to a team that had back to the fifties or sixties, I think their name was. Um, and that was really just essentially just a lot of young lads uh, getting their cells gubbed every week. Um, you know, 18-1, nothing. I've seen loads of scores like that during the time. But I was one of, I don't know, about a hardcore of about 30 that stayed during all. Um, just because I still like going to watch hockey, even though we're getting gubbed every week. Yeah. And then from that, um, Scott Neal, who used to play for the Murrayfield Racers and then went to play for the Sheffield Steelers, he came back up the road to play for the Royals. And then from there, the Capitals were born. Um, they started off in what was known as the old British National League, uh, which was like one below the old Super League, which is, to, be, to be very crude, the Super League then became the Elite League. Um, the Super League itself kind of collapsed. Um, not enough teams, too many imports, not enough money. Um, so the Capitals went for the BNL, had a number of years in the BNL. Then they moved themselves to the Elite League because the BNL itself collapsed which for a number of us was a kind of shame because we thought it just had the right balance. There was enough balance between British players and import players. Um, obviously, we're still travelling around the country, which is where the cost was, but we thought it had a nice balance. But that kind of collapsed in itself, and the only league that was left to play would be the Elite League. So ourselves moved up to Elite League, hung around there for a number of years. Um, it's not cheap to play in the Elite League. We didn't have a big, huge fan base. Um, some of that was probably the club's fault for not marketing great. Some of it, as you know yourself, as a Edinburgh sports fans, are not great at supporting their teams. No. Um, the ice rink isn't great necessarily to attract people, especially now they are used to more comfortable seats at football stadia, who are used to just a bit more kind of comfort when they go to watch their sports, you know? Yeah. Um and then from there, the, the Capitals eventually collapsed and the, the, what is the new Murrayfield Racers has appeared to take their place, although they're in a, a lower league called the SNL, which the Capitals used to run a team in and were actually quite successful in too. Um, so it was almost like the Capitals reserve team to be very crude again, I suppose. Um, and, and that's kind of where hockey is at the minute in Edinburgh, if Murrayfield stays open after the pandemic. Yeah, um, it hangs up. Well, it's a list of bills, so it should, hopefully it should. Um, hopefully we'll see hockey return very soon, so to speak. Um, when did you start? Because, look, Bob, I, I know you very well, and uh, you always used to talk to me about how you followed the hockey, not just at home, not just locally, but all over the UK. Um Talking about you know getting a, getting buses at five six in the morning and not returning until the morning the next day and stuff like that because you know some of those trips that you must have had to take e.g. as you said before at Bays in Stoke and places like, these are long away days these are these are a lot longer away days and a lot of football fans have to take on a regular basis you know um, and the co- commitment in that cell in in itself is phenomenal so if you just tell our tell our listeners when you started following your local team away and uh, any, uh, any, any stories from that, mate, any, any, anything that you want to throw in, you're, you're free to reign. <laughs> um, the best ones are probably not for broadcast. Um, no, I mean, my, my first away game was to the five flyers when it was still the racers. And that was regardless of what Sheffield and Nottingham will try and kid you on with. 
Um, the Old Racers Flyers derby was was the most hotly contested one in the UK. It was also the oldest, if I remember right. Um, going to Fife as a beer pit. Uh, there's no other way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not the nicest of rinks either. It's one of these older ones as well. Um, the fans are passionate about their team. Um, if anything, I would probably argue that Kirkcaldy is the only proper hockey town in the UK. I would say they probably support hockey more than their football team. That's just my general impression. So apologies to any Wraith Rovers fans that may listen in. Um, I've always had that impression. They're, they're far more passionate about the Flyers than they are about Wraith. Um, so my first game was the Racers. Um, they were giving us an absolute gubbin at the time. We're, I think it was 4 or 5 one down going into the last period. And we won 6-5 with about 20 seconds left on the clock. And that was it. Oh, he'll broke loose there. The Fifers were going absolutely mental. Um, beforehand, uh, what used to happen in Kirkcaldy is that they never used to have plexiglass around the rink. It was just kind of netting. So if a puck came out and into the crowd, they would have to throw it back onto the, onto the ice. Yeah. And my, my first abiding memory of that away game, apart from the win, obviously, was one of the Flyers fans throwing a puck right at one of our players' faces, Dean Henderson, right at his face. Jesus. Pucks, if anybody knows, they're, they're, they're not particularly big, but they're absolutely solid. You know, vulcanised rubber. Yeah, they're, they're hard. I've taken one to the, the head uh, before. I've taken one near the knackers as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it is not, it's not for the faint heart that you're getting smacked to one of them. Um, and he was literally over the, he was over the boards. He had to get held back. If I remember right, it wasn't long just after Canton had kicked that boy at Crystal Palace. Um, so we're all thinking, oh, no, it's not another one of these, is it? Uh, but he managed to calm down eventually. <laughs> um, so aye, Fife is the first one. Um, to give an idea of what Fife is like for, for our listeners, there was a guy I, I know who used to follow Rangers home and away, including in Europe. So he'd been to places like Celtic Park, he'd been over in Turkey, and so on and so forth. And he also used to go to the hockey. And he said, the most scared or the most concerned he's ever been at a away game was going as a racer's fan to Fife. Wow. Is that segregation? Not really. Right. Okay. Yeah. Not really. Um, and that's not to say all Fifers are bad, because I'm not. I, I, will, I, I know on Twitter and all that, I kind of take piss at the Fife quite a lot. That's where it stems from. It's because of the... the <coughs> excuse me, the, 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 the derby. <coughs> the hockey. Um, but... There is a lot of good fifers in there, don't get me wrong. Uh, we used to have pints with them sometimes after games and that. There is a lot of very, very good, decent fifers. Um, so I kind of went for there. During the Royals days, we didn't really do any away games because there was no point. So then the Caps came along and that's when I started to go to more away games. So we start generally at the kind of Scottish teams. So there was Paisley and Fife, and then later on there was Dundee. We used to start going on longer away trips on buses. First longer one, I think, was probably Hull, because it's not too far. Hull, you can, you're can you back at a reasonable time, and you kind of can set off at a reasonable time as well, so you're not having to get up at really silly o'clock. Yeah. Um, and that was essentially just a bevy session. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, of, of course, of course. That's what it's all about. Hull itself was always, that was the one thing. Because what used to happen was we used to share the bus with the players. Right? We used to share the team bus for the longer away trips. We'd have a small number of fans, no more about six or eight. But for Hull, we nearly always managed to follow our own fan bus, which essentially was just everybody in a bus getting buried. Uh, good times, uh, fun times. Uh, we had a tendency not to lose in Hull as well, if I remember right. So we used to have that, but when the longer away trips, we used to share the, with the bus. Now, it wasn't the best arrangement. The players don't particularly like it and understand that. We didn't really particularly like it either because we were on their bus. But we kind of tolerated each other and we actually got on pretty well with some of the players uh, and the coaching staff and, and whatnot. So we used to go to places like uh, Guildford, Raising Stoke, Slough, uh, all the highlights. Um, <laughs> slough. Yeah. Oh, slough. Aye. Whatever David Brent says about Slough in the office is absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Sorry, Slough people. Uh, Cardiff, all these, all these type of places. And we used to leave Murrayfield Car Park on the bus at about six in the morning, usually, for the longer, longer distant ones. And we go there and back in a day. It wasn't like you stay overnight or you go overnight beforehand. Um, you went there and back in a day. So I was finishing a shift at the nightclub, usually going home, getting changed, quick shower, and back out again. And then I just sleep in the aisle of the bus. That was what I'd do. That was my that was my, my usual position. <laughs> Where's Bob? He's on the floor. <laughs> uh, and that and that's that's kind of how my life was for a number of years. You know, I put in a lot of miles uh, following the caps in the BNL days, not so much in the late league days, but I put, I put a lot of miles in. Um, I think I worked out, there was, a, there was a couple of us that probably done enough miles with the caps to at least go around the world once. Wow. That's incredible. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're going down to places at Guildford's and that, and it's... That's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous journey on a train, let alone a, on a team bus. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a long way. It's a long way. It really is. I, you know, I, I thought they would have split it into a north and south division, you know, that sort of northern conference or southern conference. Like I do in America, you've got your, your, your eastern conference, your Pacific conference, all that yeah. sort of nonsense. Um, well, it's not nonsense. It actually makes sense, really. Um, but, uh, you know, I... Common sense would have would have said, you know, I know you hate that word, common sense, or that phrase, common sense, Paul, um, would have said Northern Conference, Southern Conference, so you didn't have to get up yeah. with it. But, but look, you've, you've, you've got the stories to tell from it, and um, you had a great time doing it, so things are just best left how they are if you, if you had a great time doing it, mate. Um, going back to what you said about Fife, now, <laughs> there was a... <laughs> You sent me you sent me something earlier on WhatsApp, a uh, a, a little video <laughs> on uh, on YouTube about. Uh, I, I said to you, I said about. I said to Bob, for all our listeners out on now, I said, I said, Bob, I said, I want to know about the fights. I've never got why they why they fight in ice hockey, and everyone just goes bonkers, and everyone just knocks the fuck out of each other. And uh, Bob was like. He, he sent me this video earlier on WhatsApp. Um, it was it was actually five flies. Was it? It was against Edinburgh, wasn't it? Certainly was. Yeah. Um. And you, and you, you're going to tell our listeners the, a story about uh, an infamous incident between two hockey players. 
from from the rival <laughs> from the rival from the rival clubs. <laughs> uh, I'll do my best because it's probably best viewed rather than me speaking it. Yeah. So, what, what it was, what it was, was that uh, the players I sent you was Scott Plews, who played for the Caps, who was a fight for himself, or is a fight for, I should say, and he played for Edinburgh teams for a number of years, um, and he was what would probably be known as an enforcer. You know, he was a, he was a, the fighter in the team. Yeah. And their fighter was a guy called Justin Beckering, some Canadian boy. And the week before at Murrayfield, Beckering had been going about trying to act the hard man. And he challenged Plouze to a fight. And Plouze was like, OK. He says, can you wait to shake off his gloves, as you do? Then Beckering's done that. And if I remember right, he maybe fell over. I'm not quite sure about that one. But anyway, he fell over. He can't, sorry, he dropped his gloves. And then Plouze just kept him on and started laughing at him. So because he dropped his gloves, that put the Capitals onto a, onto a power play. So he'd been put into the Simbin for a couple of minutes. So because of this, <coughs> a number of Fifers took it on themselves to decide that Scott Plews was a chicken. If anybody knows back then, that was never the case. So we got to the week after, and we're playing in Kirkcaldy. And there was a guy dressed up in a chicken suit with Plews on the back. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, walking around the rink, and we're like, oh, God, what no, 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 no. Anyway, so they're all giving it, Ken, every time he gets a pot, Ken, <laughs> all this kind of business. And then we 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 won 4-2. But what happened is he's kind of like playing up to the crowd and all that because we were winning and all this kind of pointing at the scoreboard and, you know, booing him and all this kind of stuff. And he's given the kind of the kind of champ sign, no, like the belt round the waist type idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... He just essentially laughed at the fans. And then right at the end of the game, Beckering um, took exception to this and challenged them to a fight. And it all kind of ensued after that. And Plews gave him an absolute hiding. Um, at one point, he'd actually hit him and turned around and waved to the Caps crowd. That's, that's kind of what kind of hiding <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I said, um, I said, if guys, are you watching this on YouTube? Um, uh, Paul will tell you the link, um, the what to, what to type in. I, I saw him chase him down the tunnel at one point as well. So, oh my god, he's gonna he's gonna get he's gonna give him another hiding as well. <laughs> he's gonna give he's gonna get double. Uh, aye, aye. It was just it, it was just a, a kind of melee of things that are spilled over and all this kind of stuff. You know, I mean, you, you said you wanted to know about fights. It's one of these things as a hockey fan that over the years you tend not to really bother about fighting. Um. Or I certainly didn't anyway. Once you're in the game, you're there more for the skill set and what happens rather than, oh, is there going to be a fight breaking out? You know, like the old adage, kind of went to a boxing match and a hockey, a hockey game broke out, that kind of thing. That kind of goes by the wayside pretty quickly. Once you see your first fight, you're like, no, that's fine, I'm done. Um, you know, fighting over the years has, has changed a lot. It's maybe not, I think more is obviously when you know the health of the, the players and what can happen. You, you tend to have a wee bit. Oh, I'm not sure if I enjoy it like I maybe used to, or that that kind of thing. I mean, there's 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 some like in, in Europe on the whole. It, essentially, if you break out into a fight, you're ejected from the game. Whereas in the NHL, you still get a five minute sit down, as you do in the UK. Uh, in international competition, no fighting allowed at all. Um, and that actually makes it things, especially in the Olympics, for example, you see a better spectacle because nobody's going in there to just smack each other at the boards or take each other's head off or anything like that. Um, 
and there's there's a kind of there's a kind of thing in hockey about the code, and it's this kind of mythical, unwritten constitution about how you're meant to act on the ice. You know, it's like a code of ethics. Yeah, uh, you do this to a player, you'll retaliate in this way. You can't act like this. You can't hit them in a, in a certain position on your body, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but I just think I, I don't know. I think for a lot of new people, fighting is a big thing. It's like, oh, am I going to see a fight? Am I going to see a fight? And for the most part, once you get used to it, it, it becomes a, a, an inconsequential part of the game. Um, and it certainly did for me, and I think it does for a lot of fans. And, and then you, the more you read about it, and the more you learn the toll that it takes on these guys' bodies, man, it's it can sometimes be quite difficult to watch, really. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> when I was growing up, right, we, we obviously we didn't know nothing about. I mentioned that game at the Winter Olympics. We didn't know anything about ice hockey in, in on our estate. I mean, we you know we didn't even see we didn't even see ice. Let alone. But then again, saying that, I'll tell our listener, I'm from I'm, I'm originally from a place called Streatham in South London, right? We had one of we got one of the most famous ice hockey teams in the country, the Streatham Redskins. Well, they're called something else now, but yeah, but we never went to watch them. Um, I think they were. They were bust at the time, and they only they only reformed within the last twenty years and stuff like that, you know. But we 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 did look, we weren't interested in ice hockey and that. But we what we did here and what the rumor was on the word on the street was if there was a fight in ice hockey, whoever won the fight got their team like a goal or something or two goals, and that the fighting was just as more just as important as the skill to us. We we genuinely thought growing up that fighting was actually part of the game, just like, just as like as you'd, you know, whip a crossing in football or take a throw in. <laughs> we actually thought that that's, there was a certain time in the game where it just stopped dead so everyone could have a tear up. That's, <laughs> this, this is what I've truly believed. And, um, and I believed that into my adult life. And I thought, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. And I, I eventually, um, knew that it wasn't right, so to speak. Um, you mentioned the NHL. Mm-hmm. But, um, they still, you only still get a five-minute bin for the for fighting. You're a very, very keen NHL fan. Um, you stay up till... I've seen your tweets at times in the morning. That I shouldn't be up, really, but uh, I, I am sometimes watching sport as well, sometimes basketball or whatever. Um, who's, your, who's your NHL team? And why? Um, my favourite NHL team is the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and they're not just my favourite NHL team, they're probably my favourite sports team. Uh, and the difficulty is that that brings of having your favourite sports team three and a half thousand miles away, five time zones away as well. Uh, isn't uh, always great. But you find ways around it. You find ways around it. Uh, the reason for the Penguins, uh, going back to... Uh, the programme Transworld Sport is when you used to get the clips. Uh, the first player to really kind of catch my attention when I was younger was Mario Lemieux, um, who I think is the greatest hockey player of all time. I know there'll be certain Canadians who, in fact, there'll be lots of people that will be screaming Wayne Gretzky. Um, that's so I'll, next day, yeah, that's you'll what I'll find, off, yeah. You will find absolutely no nobody from Pittsburgh who will say anything other than Mario Lemieux. Um, what he could do on the ice was exceptional for his size, for his frame, for his reach, for his health problems. Um, you know, there was times he couldn't even get down to tie his skates and he was going out there and 
scoring hat tricks and all this kind of thing. And if it really wasn't for his health, he probably would have challenged every single one of Gretzky's records. Um, he saved the franchise. He owns the franchise. Um, a part owns, I should say. He's it, it, just magnificent. You know, it's just magnificent watching him. Just every, everything about him was just great. <laughs> there's no other way to put it. Um, Here's you know, the, here's oh, Mr. Penguin, ladies and gentlemen. He very much is. He's, 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 Mr. He's, he's very much Mr. Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, there's no getting around that. You know, Sidney Crosby's obviously came in and somewhat taken up the mantle of of that being such an exceptionally gifted player as well. Um, maybe not Mario levels, but he's certainly top five ever, probably. You mentioned the. You've mentioned it a couple of times. I've picked up on in the show. Um, about the toll it takes on, on their bodies and uh, health issues. So, so what mm-hmm. is the average lifespan or career span? Not lifespan, that's a bit morbid, isn't it? <laughs> the average career span of an ice hockey player, what injuries, you know, do they get? Because I obviously I don't know, a lot of our listeners wouldn't know. I, I, um, I, I, think, I would think maybe sprained ankles where they've like, Twisted funny on the ice, I don't know, maybe, you know, but maybe a broken nose from the fighting or a black eye, but I don't know what what health issues do the players get long-term from, from being a professional uh, hockey player? Um, arthritis, I think, is a big one. Arthritis, just yeah. The whole, yeah, just because of the, the, the toll it takes on your, on your bones, you know, when you're getting hit at 20, 30, 40 miles an hour uh, in a wall that doesn't really move. Um. I think they've got a lot of ankle problems with the with the skates and all that kind of thing. Back problems, shoulder problems, arm problems, wrist problems. Yeah, it's, do you know, hockey is probably the, the worst sport for taking its toll on somebody's body. And when you watch it more, you can understand more, you know. And it's and it can be quite surprising because a lot of hockey players go on for a lot of years. Um and managed to continue for a lot of years, regardless. You know, you, and then you hear stories after, say, for the NHL playoffs on player X was playing with a, a dislocated hip and a, and a torn uh, shoulder and a, a broken thumb and all this kind of thing. And it's like, why are you doing it? <laughs> you know, there, 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 is a, there is a hockey culture, I think, where you don't tell everybody your injuries. You know, you've got to be like a man, so to yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all that kind of macho nonsense. Um, it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? Sorry to just cut you off there. I'll just, just quickly put a point in. Um, what is it? It, it, it? It's the ultimate tough guy sport, is it? Because I see boxers as well that, that are around and they have careers. That, like Roberto Duran's career um, spanned over four different decades. Or is it five different decades? I mean, absolutely ridiculous like that. I might have the amount of punches you've taken to the head in sparring, like just let sparring, let alone the fights you've been in, and in a- amateur days and shots you've taken to the body, medicine balls hitting you, um, mid-rift at every training session and all the runs you've got to do. And How do these people, how do these people do it? How do these ice hockey players do it? Are, are they on a certain diet, which, you know, makes them superhuman? <laughs> or, is that, or are they just so so conditioned to that way that they're just numb to it? Uh, a lot of the above, really. 
And I think there's a lot, there's reports a lot now as well about how rife painkillers are amongst NHL players. The same kind of ones you hear about in American football and all this kind of stuff as well. Yeah. You know, um, but some of it's to do with taking care of your body. Some of it's just luck. Some of it is just, just the way it goes, really. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's Yarmir Yager, the, the, the hockey legend that he is. He is 47, 48. And he's still playing for his hometown team in the Czech Republic. And he started, I think, his rookie season in the NHL in 1990, maybe just before that. Wow. Right. Dude. So that'll give, you, that'll give you an idea of how long he's been going. And there's a good chance that 47, 48, he's still the fittest player on the ice. Incredible. Absolutely he's, incredible. He's a machine. You, you just have to watch, just even just YouTube it or read articles on him. He's, he's an absolute superhuman man. Just, he is. <laughs> Talking about superhumans, you've, you've mentioned your favourite ever Pittsburgh Penguins player. Let's talk about your favourite player from the Elite League or British Hockey League. Or, you know, what, what is your favourite British or Scottish player, whatever you prefer, whatever your preference um, to class them as? Uh, <laughs> who's your favourite, Bob? And also, um, who's your fa- who's the favourite? You spoke about Fife. I know you, you weren't tying them all with the same brush. A rivalry's a rivalry, okay? You're not expected mm-hmm. to like each other. Um, who are the who are the who are the best fans, the nicest fans you've come across, the most welcoming fans come across? So, your favourite British player or Scottish player or whatever you prefer uh, of all time, and your the best fans you've come across as well. Right. Um, I'll start by slightly expanding it to my favourite players that I've seen in Britain, rather than just my favourite British player. That's fine. Um, yeah. My, my, my favourite player that I ever saw play in the UK was a guy called Chris Palmer. He was a Canadian. Uh, he wore the number 16 and he could score goals for absolute fun. Now, you've got to adjust it for back then, the goalies weren't as good and all this kind of stuff. Palmer was one of those guys that could score goals in any era. He was that good, you know. Watching him and Tony Hand and Ivan Matulik as a line was, was some of the greatest hockey you'll ever watch in the UK. You know, there'll be some fans that maybe listen to this for a bit and go, no, they weren't there, it was this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, there was just, he was, Chris Palmer was a majestic looking hockey player. You know, um, he can maybe sometimes play the game at his own pace. That's maybe the, the best way to put it. But boy, could he score goals. You know, and he knew where to do it. Um, he, was, he was exceptional. His vision on the ice was brilliant. His goals on the ice were exceptional. Uh, I remember talking to one of the old coaches from from the racers, and when you go through players through the eras, and they were always like, "Oh yeah, Palmer was definitely in the in the top ones for, for Edinburgh, um, or the racers as it was then." Uh, I would be remiss not to mention Tony Hand, um, Britain's Wayne Gretzky, as he's often referred to. Exceptional vision like nobody else. Went on for years. Just a just an exceptional, exceptional hockey player who, if I had been maybe twenty years later, he would have probably made the NHL. But being that far away, with no internet and all this kind of thing, maybe made it a bit difficult. But certainly, he, he was he was a majestic player. There was no no question. Um, the greatest Britain's ever produced. It's going to be difficult to ever get anybody better than him. I think. Um, 
I, I, DM'd, him, I DM'd him on Twitter, I think, uh, to, to come uh-huh. on the podcast. So I haven't, he hasn't got back to me yet. So, Tony, if you're listening <laughs> to this, please, mate, uh, you're more than welcome on the show anytime to, to talk about your career. So, um, <laughs> there, there was other players. That, see, there's quite a lot of players. I don't know if they even remember your top 10, but we'll go Palmer, Hand, Matulik, obviously. Ivan was a great player. He was an absolute force against each other. He was a bowling up and down nice. The speedy hard, the way he used to check players was amazing. Uh, Hilton Ruggles from Cardiff. I used to, well, mostly Cardiff, I remember him as he played for other teams like Manchester and Coventry. But he he was he was a he was a very good player as well. A little bit of edge, a little bit of grit. Used to piss off other <laughs> um other players. Um but yeah, he was a great player. I suppose going through the years we had um if I can kind of maybe keep it to Edinburgh a little bit, I suppose. Going through into the Capitals era, I was a huge fan of Richard Hartman. Um, I actually got to know Richard well enough through just being burning the buses and all that. He was a Slovakian. He was a he was a super player. Another one with lots of lots of vision, head up play, um, knew how to score, knew how to pass. Uh, usually that pass was. For Renny Yarlan, who, if you could see properly, would have scored even more than he did. Um, another Slovakian, another wonderful, wonderful hockey player. Um, for all Edinburgh, I had small budgets. We had this awful habit of bringing in some of the best players I think the UK's ever seen. So, the likes of Yarlan Hartman, Pavel Vorobiev, uh, uh, Herlovski in goals. Uh, Herlo was an absolute bam in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> Saved us, saved us for a few hidings over the years anyway. Um, anybody else? I suppose going back a little bit further, Mike Ware, he was a, he was a big defenceman. He was an absolute nutter. Uh, played for Cardiff as well, liked to scrap. But he was also a very, very good player. Um, as was Paul Han, Tony's brother. Uh, Scott Plews, again, um, everybody just remembers Scott as a fighter. But Scott actually was a very, very good defenceman. Um, he was good with the puck. Another head-up player. Good at body checking. Um, never really got the credit. He probably should have as a player because I think focus was, people were too busy focused on what he's fist them. Um, so, I, I mean, I, do you know, there's, there's lots and lots and lots of players over the years in the UK that have that stood out. Um, I've only given a snapshot, I think, of some of them there because there is lots. <laughs> um, um, I suppose another way I could also just dropping Ken Priestley and Ron Shudra. These were exceptional players as well. Played for Sheffield. Um, in terms of away days, uh, I tend to find that the most welcoming away days were Belfast and Cardiff um, and Milton Keynes. I don't know why Milton Keynes. There's just something about the fans I always find were more welcoming. I mean, there, there was one time I went down on the, on the bus and I was very much the only fan there. I was the only Edinburgh fan there for the entire rink. Um, so I was in there shouting as loud as I could, watching us win at Milton Keynes, which I had a tendency to do after being on the bus, helping the players in my kit and all this kind of stuff. Um, and all the fans were applauding and buying me pints and all this kind of stuff, which was nice. Um, I also remember one time we were there and it was just before the, the doors had opened. And there was a, I used to kind of beat a big drum at games. And there's a lady walking down with like, you kind of hockey magazines and programs. She says, I'll give you a deal. 
I'll carry your drum in if you can carry all these heavy programs in. I says, I absolutely no bother. So I walked in and kind of got to the wee stand and all this kind of stuff. Uh, put the programs down. She gave me a drum back. She says, now go find your seat. So I'll go in for nothing. <laughs> Brilliant. That's what you got to do it, mate. That's, see, stories like that out of nothing, creating something out of nothing. I love hearing so off-the-cuff stuff like that. Um, the, the, the old chance of stories, but you won't be a chance. She asks you, she asks you for the deal. So, um, Bob, yeah. now, uh, something I've always wondered um, with ice hockey. Now, mm-hmm. it is, it's a dangerous sport. It's, it's high tempo, as you've explained, for you know, people get hurt. It's serious. What is the most dangerous position on the on the rink? Because I watched a documentary not that long ago um, about uh, I forgot what it was called. Uh, this, is, this was a long time ago. I'm talking 10, 15 years ago. But I remember one little clip from it where they were like, well, the goalkeeper, if he if he goes down wrong and someone comes in their blade, it could slit his throat, and kill him, and sever mm-hmm. it. Up. And I'm like. Jesus Christ. Is the goalkeeper position the most dangerous position on the rink? Or <laughs> not? Um, I mean, they wear a lot of pads. I know that. but Yeah, they are, they, they are very padded. But there's also lots of parts of a goalkeeper, that, or a netminders, I should say, um, that aren't. And often the puck will hit said areas at 80, 90, 100 miles an hour, and it's, it's sore. You know, I've seen I've seen bruises on some goalies, and they're absolutely massive. You know, we're talking like the length of a leg, kind of bruise. Um, oh, Jesus! Uh, yeah, I, I would probably goalies probably are. Um, they don't obviously get checked or anything like that, and if they do, it usually ends up in a big rammy. But if you think about it, if they're going down, they're doing the splits, or they go down on their knees and they fall back the wrong way. That's a knee out. Uh, hip injuries, uh, they get clocked in the helmet or they get clocked in the head with uh, a puck. Um, I mean, I've heard stories, uh, obviously they've got the mask uh, and sometimes the puck will hit the right spot in the mask and it'll go right through the right through the mask and hit a head. Ouch. Uh, a, a puck of the throat, skates going down, you know, you've got goalies going down, scabbing for pucks and there's sticks flying everywhere, there's skates flying everywhere. Oh man! Um, you've got to be. There's a joke, you know. Hockey goalies are a different breed. They really are. Um, they're all. They're all really. They're crazy. I mean, there's no two ways about it. To be a goalie, and to be a, a hockey goalie, you've got to have some degree of craziness about you. To have these pucks getting smacked at you from all angles, through sixty minutes of a game. And it is 60 minutes because obviously the clock stops every time there's a stoppage. Yeah. You know, sometimes there might not even be a stoppage, so it's shot after shot after shot after shot. You know, you've got to be a special kind of person to go in there and say, yeah, I'll do that. You know, I mean, I've seen I've seen some horrific injuries over the years, not necessarily goalies. Um, it, it's just, a, it's a tough sport all around, but yeah, goalies are probably the ones that are susceptible to the ones that are more like, maybe not necessarily more likely to get injured, but certainly possibly more likely to carry certain injuries. That's mental, possibly. mate. That's... Possibly. Possibly. Oh, it's, it's, I don't know why anyone would do it, but passion, love, love for the <laughs> game. You can't uh, you can't take that away from a man. 
Uh, Bob, look, um, I'm going to wrap up the show soon, mate. But I'm going to let you. I mean, uh, you've 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 sold it to me. You've sold it to me. I'm certainly going to watch a few more uh, ice hockey games. And uh, but to the people that aren't into ice hockey at all, but but listen to our podcast and and, and follow us. And what would you say to them? And and to get them to get to get them into ice hockey to you know, to, to give it a try and and stuff like that. What would, you know, what this is your t- turn now. This is your time to really sell ice hockey to the people that are non-fans. Oh, God. If I knew how to do that, the caps might still be going. Um, <laughs> um, do, do you know what? It's the most, it's the most mesmerising sport you'll ever see. It is the most difficult sport I think you can imagine, and it's the toughest sport you can ever think of. You know, it's fast, it's full of action. There's usually goals, uh, there's big hits, there's big checks. It's a tough sport, and it's great to watch. And once you give it a chance, most people won't go back. They'll either go to infrequent games or they'll go quite a lot it hooks you in pretty quickly, whether that be the first smell of the rink when you walk in, whether you see the players taking the warm-ups and you see the shots at the goalie, where you see them skating around or anything like that. It's a wonderful, wonderful sport. You know, there's a very, very good community um, of fans. I mean, I'm not a huge particular fan of the, the phrase hockey family. Um, but, you know, there's a good community of fans around. We all disagree. Some disagree more than others, I guess. Not looking at anybody in Fife in particular, but, <laughs> um, or Nottingham or Sheffield. Um, <laughs> um, or even the Philadelphia Flyers. Must be something to do with the Flyers' name. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, we, we have our differences, but we tend to get on and we all love the game. You know, it's not, there is tribalism, there's a lot of tribalism, but it's not quite like the tribalism you see at football. And that's not to say it's clean cut when you go. There is swearing. If you don't like it, tough. Right? People will let out sweary words at sporting events. That's just the nature of the game. It is more family friendly at times in football. Yeah, you're unlikely, I would suggest, uh, to get a fair face at a hockey match in Britain. Uh, that's not to say you won't. And it's not the first time I've been threatened um, just for supporting my team. But those incidents are very, very few and far between. Uh, so it's definitely one thing I would recommend to absolutely everybody. Um, so to, if I could just finish off, there's a wee quote that I wanted to say, but I've not given the chance to say it. And it's been attributed to a hockey player called Brendan Shanahan, a Canadian guy. Um, his name. Um, when he was asked, it's attributed to him whether or not he said it or not, another matter, but I think the quote's fine. And I'll give you an example of what it's like. He's asked, is hockey hard? And he says, I don't know, you tell me. We need to have the strength and power of an American footballer, the stamina of a marathon runner, and the concentration of a brain surgeon. But we need to put all this together while moving at high speeds on a cold and slippery surface while five other guys use clubs to try and kill us. Oh yeah, did I mention that this whole time we're standing on blades one-eighth of an inch thick? It's hockey hard, you tell me. And I think that perfectly sums up the sport. 
Excellent, mate. I'll tell you what, you've sold it to me. When things are back to normal, I am going to go to a game with you. I'm going to go to a game with you. Um, Jenna, Jenna's really good. My, my missus, Jenna, um, my, my fiance, she's really, uh, she's really keen. She's always said, oh, we should go to the hockey one night. We should go to the ice hockey at Murrayfield. Murrayfield yeah. But, you know, I know there's politics at the moment with, with the races and stuff like that, and, and, and you're not keen. If there's a, a window at any point to, to go and watch maybe another team or, or just catch a game as a neutral. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy to go with you, mate. And Bob's just, sold, I think he's going to sell it to a lot of people. Guys, give it a try on TV. I'm going to, I'm certainly going to give it a try on TV. Bob, thank you very much for, uh, for joining, not, not joining me as a co-host tonight, joining me as a, as a guest. And it's been, it's been fascinating. It's been interesting. And you've got me, you have me asking like tons of guys, we didn't write this show. We didn't write the show at all. It was just something I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to test myself tonight. Then I'm going to test Bob. And I thought, whatever he says, I'm just going to just, we'll just go with the flow, like a pub chat, like two mates in a pub or whatever. Um, just talk it, just talking things over. So look, I mean, it's worked a treat for me because it's I've soaked up everything you said about the sport and it will stick. And hopefully that will stick with our listeners too. Guys, we are back next week with Charles Hoy. He's, uh, sorry, made a mistake. This week, Darren Potts from the Pottscast podcast. He's coming on. He's a Crusaders fan, football fan. Um, he's coming on as our fan guest feature. Next week, we've got Charles Hoy. He's, uh, he's actually my sister's partner. He's a Derby County fan, follows him home and away all over the country, or did before COVID. Another part of our fan guest feature. Then we've got the Croydon manager coming on. We've got Aaron Good, number two, coming on, because our first interview of Aaron Good, um, or Aaron Good, didn't uh, exactly go to plan sound-wise. So he's coming back to do round two, which is great. Um, yeah, so we've all got it going on at the moment. Uh, we are on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts as well. Guys, give us a try. Give us a listen. Give us a share. Give us a retweet. Our, our Twitter page is at cathedral underscore sport. Give us a follow on there. Uh, we'll follow back. And some feedback as well. Uh, always like feedback. Comment, tweet us, DM us. It's entirely up to you. Bob, again, thank you very much, mate. Uh, thanks for having me on. I could talk about hockey all night. Uh, there's quite a lot of stories we didn't really get into there. Um, but hopefully I'll give the listeners some idea of why hockey is my favourite sport and not something like football. Oh, if you just if you just open the door for a part two, we're going to do um, a part two. I I could probably do a part two. Absolutely no bother. Uh, we can have a think about that and how we we progress. But that, that's yeah. certainly a good a, a good introduction as to why it's my favourite sport. Um, I, I'd have to think about what stories I could tell. I mean, we didn't even get into the fact that I went to the Hockey World Championships in Slovakia for a month. Um, we, we didn't get into stories of me at the front of the bus with uh, the old Caps owner, Scott Neal, going through a power play and how to manage it on a whiteboard and all this kind of thing. This is what this does and this is how this does and this is how we set up and all this kind of gear. Um, you know, so there's, there's other stories probably to be had. Uh, but certainly I hope everybody enjoyed that and gets a flavour of uh, why I keep referring to it all the time. 
Guys, a part two is coming. All these other stories that Bob has got that we can't fit in for tonight due to time restrictions. From Obviously, Bob hasn't got the time restrictions, but I have, you know. So there is going to be a part two. I, I want to hear all these stories. I want to hear more. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to hear more. I've explained what platforms are on, guys. Give us a listen. Have a safe weekend. Bob, you have a safe weekend, mate. Um, we've got no more shows coming this week. So enjoy the rest of your week. I fucked that up, didn't I? I'd have to edit that out. <laughs> I'll listen to that. I normally fucking record on a Thursday, don't I? Something like that. Um, have a great week. A great week, not a weekend. I'm going to leave that in. I'm going to leave that. Do you know? Yeah, leave that in. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs>